Hi, I'm Dan Hawk. I'm one of the sports reporters for News on 6. We're going to do a new show with Johnny Resendez here. It's called Johnny and the Hawk Podcast. We're going to talk everything Oklahoma between TU, OSU, Oklahoma State, Oral Roberts, high school. We're going to cover all the bases, and it's going to be a fun experience for the next 30 minutes for sure. Absolutely, man. After so long, we've been procrastinating on this kind of little too much than we've expected yeah. from COVID. This man just got a new house. That's right. I mean, we are just glad we're able to do this right now at this time. And I mean, what better place than a brewery? We're trying to make this as personable as possible. Two guys sitting in bar stools talking about sports. I'm pretty sure everyone in the country has done that at least once. At least once, sports. for sure. <laughs> So let's get into the first topic right now. Big news here in Tulsa sports, obviously, and we're going to talk a little bit about all Oklahoma sports, but let's talk specifically here in Tulsa. Zayvon Collins drafted in the first round, first TU player to be drafted in the first round since 1977. Dan, you've been in TU games way more than I have. So just tell me about this kid and what, how good he's going to be for Arizona. Well, one of the most things that most people might not know about is he's the second player from Hominy drafted in the NFL draft. We're talking to Hominy and not a very big town. So that in of itself is pretty impressive. But Zavin, everywhere he was on the field this past season, he could get a stop. He could stop the defense and he could change the momentum in a hurry for University of Tulsa. And he definitely was a game changer in multiple games, especially when it came down to the wire. And just just being able to stop teams and doing what he did, winning the Bronco Nagurski Award, I mean – I. I truly believe the Arizona Cardinals got one of the best players possible in this year's NFL draft. Right. I wish people would kind of listen to you when we were in the newsroom. You would not, hey, this guy's the truth, man. I, I'm telling you. And size-wise, I've seen him once in person going to a TU game once. Size-wise, what is he, 6'5", 270? I think he's about 6'5", 265, 275. First time I saw him, I was like, that cannot be him. He just popped out of you. He pops out of your screen in general just when you're watching TV. But when you're there in person, you can really see the size. And you mentioned Hominy. I mean, this is what – I feel like this is rare in American sports in general. But I feel like in sports overall, having a kid – Hominy, Oklahoma, has a population of 3,500 people. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing. And now he's going to be a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. He's going to be living in a big town like Phoenix – I mean, you don't get these type of stories all that no, often. No, So the way that Zayvon Collins has brought himself up, he's been able to go to a school that, you know, in all due respect, isn't like a power five. No, it's not Oklahoma, blood. Oklahoma State, you know. And like, he still made the most out of it, and now he's a first-round draft pick. Um, and then the other impressive thing about it, too, with going to the Cardinals, is like they're stacked with Oklahoma pride. I mean, Kyler Murray under center. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, not Oklahoma, but he coached in the Big 12, so he knows the area very well. I mean, it's going to be a fun experience. And don't forget about J.J. Watt yeah. and that defense as no, well. He's going to learn right away on how to play NFL-type football. Yeah, that's another thing. So Arizona's defense last year was ranked 13th overall at the end. They're only going to improve now with Zayvon Collins. And you add in J.J. Watt, you add in, uh, I think they brought Malcolm Butler uh, to Arizona. It's just going to be an improved defense from now. And Kyler needed that help a little bit. You saw in those games where it was really close. That, that's what made a break, break broke them to go to the playoffs last year. They couldn't make it uh, then. I have a really good chance they'll make it now. And Zayvon is going to be – I mean, the general manager for Arizona said he's, an immediate, he's going to have an immediate impact. 
And I think he's going to be a big centerpiece for Arizona for years to come. Well, and the emotions that he had on draft night. I mean, he, he cried. Zavin's not a kid that cries. I mean, he carries his heart on his sleeve when he's out on the football field. But just hearing his name called and the emotions that he had, he talked about having a, a ring so big that a show dog would, would not be able to jump over it. I mean, he even promised he's going to bring a title over to Arizona. Now, that might hurt you being a Cowboys fan, but, you know, I think the Cardinals are going to be a definitely a serious team in the NFC that you're not going to want to mess with this no, coming yeah, year. yeah, absolutely, for sure. I feel like they're going to be underrated for a long time. I feel like they're going to be the team. Not a lot of people are going to really go for They're going to have the Bucks as long as Tom Brady is going to be there. Is he ever going to retire? Probably not. <laughs> Whatever team Aaron Rodgers goes to, because at this point we could all just say bye-bye to the Packers right. at this point. Whatever team Aaron Rodgers goes to, assuming he stays in the NFC, is going to be a contender. And you got all these other teams. But Arizona, I feel like, has a huge come up right now. Who knows? Maybe they could be an underachieve this year. Maybe they could uh, overachieve, make a big run. I'm just excited that you got a local player on that roster. Well, and having Kyler Murray, too. I mean, we didn't touch a ton on him, but, I mean, he's like a younger version of Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick's not even that old, obviously. I mean, the future looks bright in Arizona for sure. Right. Let's get to our next topic, and this is probably going to be the longest one. <laughs> we'll go to, we're going to go for OSU and OU and how they did in the draft. So let's start off with OSU. Um, so obviously, Tevin Jenkins going to the second round isn't surprising. He was a dominant tackle. He was, a he was projected in some first-round picks, but obviously it was lower first right. round. I mean, we weren't talking the top 15 or right. anything. Well, I thought it was a smart pick by the Bears because they obviously traded up to get Justin Fields and already they're making an investment for him. You got Tevin Jenkins. He was just a nasty tackle for Oklahoma State. Um, and I think they kind of needed it. Because, I mean, you know the old stigma of Chicago Bears quarterbacks? They go there to die. Die, yes. So I'm rooting for Justin Fields, honestly. I, I thought it was insane how there were so many QBs going ahead of him and just one by one by one. We didn't even know. I By the time the 10th, 12th pick of the draft came, I was like, I don't know what, I don't know when Justin Fields is going to be drafted because it's, he should have been a top 10 based on just skill alone. But for whatever reason, he just dropped down unbeknownst to anyone. It doesn't make much sense to me either because the way he played up at OSU, when he was on the field, he was a game changer. And seeing that he fell so far, I'm a little surprised. But I think in, with that said, I think it's going to be a benefit for him because he's probably going to carry a chip on his shoulder Actually, probably not a chip. It's going to be a boulder on his shoulder when he steps out on the football field. Yeah, but the good thing about that is that Tevin Jenkins is going to help him with that boulder. Hopefully. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So, the other – and let's – Rodarius Williams, also six-round pick from the Giants. He's He had his moments at Oklahoma State. How about a guy that came back multiple years oh, yeah. so I mean, he could have left early, and he oh, decided yeah. to come back and Mike Gundy's you know, team, and now look at him now. He's playing right. on the grandest stage, He's NFL. In, right. And in New York – uh, any less, but let's get to the two that I'm like, what happened here? Let me guess. Tylen Wallace is one of Tylen those. Tylen Wallace and Chuba <laughs> Hubbard. So let's start off with Chuba for a sec. So people were always before the draft. People were saying, oh, Chuba should have gone 2020. You know, he had that year where he was just rushing. He was just killing everybody. For a while, I thought that was the case. But then I looked at the 2020 draft class um, of, to uh, of running backs last year. So had Chuba gone to that draft, he would have been uh, competing against DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Ooh. Taylor. Those are already four running backs 
where you could make the argument that they have that, that they could have been drafted ahead of Chuba. Oh, for sure, there. for sure. So I look at this draft class, and I'm just like, this could have been the draft class that had Chuba not gotten hurt, he would have been at the very least, in my opinion, second round pick, maybe first round. But that's if he were to implement it, like to duplicate the 2020 season and 2021. Obviously, that didn't happen. So with 2021, I mean Najee Harris made that made sense. Uh-huh. Okay, Travis Etienne made sense. Those are running backs who you would expected. I mean Alabama Clemson right there uh, to make the first round. But Chuba going to the fourth round. It, it, it's a it's a mighty fall. But with that, even with his injury though. D- you're obviously an Oklahoma State alum, big Cowboy fan. Let's just be honest on that. But with that, do you believe this year was a letdown for Chuba, his final year at the Cowboys? Or do you think it was more injury-based with the so, issues that he had? I mean, from a fan perspective, you could say that it was a letdown. I mean, we were – I mean, this is prime Oklahoma State stuff. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get your hopes up, and then all of a sudden something happens, whether it's uh, something – dysfunctional happens, an injury, whatever. Anything can happen, really. It's a toxic relationship. Do not recommend. But anyways, with Chuba, I don't really think you could say that it was a disappointing year, Mm -hmm. especially after the fact that you heard the stories that he was in just so much pain before every single game, and yet he would just still go out there and play just out of sheer toughness. You have to respect that. And you can't really say that's a letdown. I really think with Chuba really tried to be there Every step, every step of the way, but he was injury prone and everything. He was injury prone, but the one thing, even though he didn't get drafted in higher rounds, is what I expected. I think he's going to be a complete NFL player because he could be an every down player. He could be, you know, your sprinter because he's got speed too. I, I don't think sometimes we talk about how fast Chuba is when he's, you know, behind the, uh, you know, behind the quarterback scampering for those yards. I mean, Chuba is one of the best backs that we're going to see on Sundays yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I read that there was some critic critics on, uh, the, on Chuba saying how like he was a straight line runner. He may not be all that good in the block and everything. I think with Carolina, it's, I think this was a good spot for him. He's going to learn under Christian McCaffrey, which he's going to be taking most of the snaps, but let's not forget Christian McCaffrey is also injury prone. So Chuba may have a big impact in Carolina's run game. And then also you add in Matt Rule, someone who's very it, familiar with the Chuba. Big 12. That's yeah. going to be a good landing spot there. I mean, he got used to seeing him every Saturday in Waco, so oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a problem to get put him in the mix down in Carolina right. for sure. So let's get on to the last important one here at OSU is Tylen Wallace. So This one to me was a complete disappointment on how far he fell. There was games that I saw him, not so much this past year because of COVID because we didn't get to attend games as much, but – the previous year, he was making catches that I still go back on the tape, and I'm like, how did you catch that and fall the way you did and still hold on to the football? Right. I mean, you've been to many games, too, and you've seen him play. It's just remarkable. I'm surprised he fell so far. So get this. 18 wide receivers picked ahead of Tylen Wallace. 18 <laughs> That's wide a lot. receivers picked ahead of Tylen Wallace. Last, I mean, 922 yards last year. And that's what you could say that you know, he was coming off an ACL injury. He was still kind of banged up. But Tylen Wallace it's has. It's still Tylen hands. Wallace, though. He's got hands. I think the biggest critic for Tylen Wallace was his size. He's only 5'11. I would say he's not even 200 pounds. I'd say he's like 190 something. Right. So when you get to the NFL, when you're talking about grown men 
who are at the peak of their athletic ability. You see a guy like Tylen Wallace, and you're just like, oh, whatever. I saw. You should have seen my Twitter feed. It was just a bunch <laughs> of one after another fans saying Tylen. Whoever drafts Tylen is gonna get a great player, and Tylen is gonna make them all pay. And what better? Something about OSU's draft this year. You can make the case that all, most of the people, the players that got picked, were picked in the right teams for them. And I think Tylen Wallace for the at the Ravens is a good spot. You got Lamar Jackson. You got a bunch of. He's another young mobile there. quarterback right. that, like, we have in Arizona with Kyler, Patrick up in Kansas right. City. I'm really hoping that, for, I don't know if they will. I'm really hoping the Ravens bring back Dez because I feel like he'd be another. Oklahoma Can you imagine two Dez two OSU players out on the field? Past and present, it, it would be something really cool for Tylen to get experience on. He's joining his former teammate in Justice Hill. There, it's going to be a good environment for him. They're all about offense, as we saw the past few years. If he didn't get injured, let's say he was clean slate and everything was fine, could you have seen Tylen Wallace in the first round? Because the last OSU player in the first round, I believe, is Justin Blackman, if I'm, yes. not, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the thing about Justin Blackman, he was the, that, that year he was the undisputed best receiver. For sure. I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but I mean, do you think if he didn't get hurt and didn't have the ACL injury, do you think we could see Tylen as a first-round draft pick? Or do you think they would go back to the old stigma like, oh, he's short, He's good, but he's not 6'3", 6'2". I'm not sure because, I mean, you look at the wide receivers that were picked. I could already, I mean, you got, within the top 15, you had three wide receivers. You had Jalen Waddell, you had Jamar Chase. Right. And you obviously had Devontae Smith. So, first round, I don't know if there's just enough room for Tylen Wallace at that point. But, like you mentioned, 5'11". And then also that other stigma that Big 12 doesn't play defense. So those numbers are instantly inflated. I'm so over that because watch an SEC game. How boring are SEC games to watch? I mean, this past year, you were talking about SEC defense. And you saw the points that were scored on SEC games. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know if Tylen would have made the first round. Had he done a little bit better from the past two years... I would say you you make a case. I would say you could make a case for either Chuba or Thailand. Right. At their absolute best, second-round picks. But, I mean, I got to tell you, even though he may be a fourth-rounder, the Ravens is a pretty good deal. I, I don't see it as a bad spot go, going to Baltimore. You know, I think I think Lamar Jackson is on the rise in Baltimore. I mean, we're not talking about Joe Flacco anymore in Baltimore. Right. So, I think it's I think it's on the rise. The other, the other picks going away from OSU, OU, Creed, as well as Trey Brown. Tell me about these ones, because these ones are pretty impressive, especially for Creed. He's going to a pretty good spot. No. He's got to be happy where he landed so in the draft. Creed Humphrey's going to be giving snaps to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> that, in and of itself, you got, a, you got a really good deal there. But with Creed Humphrey, I feel like a lot of people think that, oh, you know, it's a ground pick, you know, he's okay. No, anyone who watched OU football knows that Creed Humphrey is a dog, and he will protect the QB with his life. And I think with someone like that, with that attitude, is someone who is who Patrick Mahomes, I'm pretty sure, is going to love. Because we've seen how offensive lines make or break football teams. And we've seen how there's been some games with the Chiefs that They've struggled. Mahomes was running for yep. his life. And you saw at the Super Bowl, he may not admit it, but he was definitely hurt. You could sense it in the Super Bowl against the Bucks that he was not... 100%. So when you bring a guy like Creed Humphrey, 
I don't think he's going to be one of those project players at all. I think he's going to be ready right out of the gate. He's so, not going to have any problem being able to go suited up on Sundays. And I think Patrick Mahomes got a steal in this year's draft by sure. getting Creed. For sure. Because it, that man, the way he protected his QBs, impressive. Yeah, and a familiar teammate, too. I mean, we talk about Tylen joining former teammates. I mean, you got Orlando Brown there, That's too. Right. In the offensive line. So you're going to – he's going to get – I feel like it's going to be a seamless transition. Uh, between OU and Kansas City just because of the expectation of excellence that's there now. Well, and how about the fact that he's an Oklahoma guy and he's one state away getting to play, you know, what is it, four hours, five hours from Norman, maybe six at the most? There's too many Chiefs fans. Yeah, there's a lot of Chiefs. Yeah, Um, speaking to the Cowboys fan. But but the the point is, like, he's going to have family there that's going to be able to see him. I mean, some of these players, you know how it goes, they're happy to be drafted. But, like, you know, going back to Zavin, Arizona's nowhere near Oklahoma. Right. It's going to be a long haul for his family. Creed's going to have a packed house up in Kansas City, and Chiefs fans are rabid for right. sure. Let's also talk about Ronnie Perkins, too. He's going to be drafted. He's been drafted second, third round, excuse me, to the Patriots. Now, this isn't the Patriots. This isn't the Patriots of all. <laughs> Tom Brady. No. I know. But when you're a defensive end and you get to learn from Bill Belichick, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's, that's got to be. I know it's not. they're not the world beaters as they used to, like you said. Of course. Tom Brady. They're not They Super have a Bowl new quarterback, favorites. though, with Mac Jones now coming out of yeah. Alabama. But, I mean, some, you got to admit that anytime you're a defensive player and you say, hey, Bill Belichick is going to be my coach, that's going to be great. And we talk more about the other players that were drafted. I'm surprised Trey Brown went so down to, for the fourth round. I expected him and Trey Norwood to be a little bit more high. But, like I said, the stigma of Big 12 defense is Trey Brown and Trey Norwood are actually really good pieces. Do you, do you think going off of that with Big 12 defense, are we ever going to get over that as well? Like, because I, I'm tired of hearing that Big 12 doesn't play defense, man. I'm not. So I feel like with the Big 12, it's not that we're, we suck at defense. I feel like we just find more innovative ways to play offense, you know? Okay, that's so, fair. I feel like it, any, every, like, five years with how football changes, I feel like with the college game, the Big 12 is the first to adopt that. and uh, Or like, maybe not the first, but the main ones to really adopt offense and everything. But if we go off of defense, I mean, let's go back to last year's Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma plays Florida. They have no problem stopping the Gators. And this is a team, you know, it's the SEC. No one can beat the SEC. Oklahoma had no problems, and they – wax the floor with those guys. Well, that's the thing about stigmas. They think it's true until it's really not, and then you saw it right there. Right. How untrue it is. And you see it all the time also when you go to, like, bowl games at Oklahoma State. I mean, I remember the the Virginia Tech game uh, a few years ago. They thought, oh, you know, they they don't play defense. They got corndog there. (laughs) And we ended up winning. The year before that, Mason's last year. We played Colorado. Colorado was ranked in the top 10 or somewhere in the top 15. And we just absolutely smoked them, thinking that we didn't really play all that much defense, that it was just the Mason, James Washington, Justice Hill show. We showed them. Also, you got other teams like Iowa State and Baylor, who, like, on good years, TCU, whenever they're rolling, they show that they could play against any other team in any other conference. So it's a stigma. It's a stigma. I don't think it's a really strong one, though, at this point in time. So I really think— But one, one thing is for sure, though. Offense in the Big 12, we take the cake. 
like Absolutely. no one touches Absolutely. the Big 12, I mean, except maybe Kansas. But everybody else in the Big 12 offense Speaking takes the cake. We're going to have the owner of Dead Armor Dillow, right. Tony here. Tony Peck, KU alum. He's going to touch a little bit with Bryce Thompson, what's up in the air with him. And we'll talk a little bit. Jayhawk, Jayhawk football. It's not great, right. but things could be on the rise for them for no, sure. You want to talk about pain? <laughs> That's extreme Jeez, pain. pain. So let's get into a little bit some more local sports here. Um, we're going to touch base on them just for a little mm-hmm. bit because we know Tony's going to be joining us here in a little bit. Um, FC Tulsa, good start to the season, beat their rivals at OKC Energy, and now they got a big win against Sporting KC. I feel like right now, just talking with some of the players, talking with Coach Encian, they got a chip on their shoulder just because of how abrupt the season ended oh, last yeah. year with COVID. They made the postseason – it was the first time in a long time they made a, a run like that. And then it just stopped automatically. Now, we haven't played sports in a high level like that in a very long time. No. But you could, you could tell. Your psyche gets really messed up whenever something that abrupt happens to you. And it, I don't know what it is, but it's that feeling where you're just like, I have to get back on the field. But when you have something like COVID, where... Back then, back when we were talking March, April of 2020, we were scared. Are we, if we go yes. outside, is something bad going to happen to us? So the fact that everything's starting to chill out now, the fact that we're starting to get soccer back here, I mean, they look like they are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and it's fun to watch. Well, the one thing that's been, it's been fun to see, you know, when I've only been here in Tulsa for roughly about two years now. I know that historically, FC Tulsa, and the, when they were the Roughnecks, they struggled. But the way they've been playing lately, you're right. It's been a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they, they beat their rival down, down the turnpike, and then they bring in Sporting KC, a team that they hadn't beat eight times. They had one draw against them. Now they're atop the Central Division. You know, I, the only negative about all of it is, is none of us are going to get to experience it for a little while because they're on the road. I believe it's like six weeks that they're on the road. But if they can keep this momentum going, I mean, the fan base uh, this past week on Saturday – was phenomenal over at One Oak. It, it, it's been a lot of fun to see the, the way they've been able to control the pitch and not just find the back of the net, but also stop the opponents from even finding the back of the net as well. Yeah, and team talks about improving on the defense. And, man, those, uh, those backs in the back line is definitely something that looks pretty good right now. And they also have some local cats on the team as well. Simeon Winters, I just did a story with him. You can check that out at News on 6. I mean, he, his dad played for the Roughnecks, and he didn't want to go to college. He made up his mind, I have no desire to go play college soccer. He wanted to play professional soccer, and so he was in the academy, and he's the first academy player to make it on the full squad. It's pretty impressive in of itself right no, there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, those type of stories, too, where you go to the academy, you finally get to play in the senior level. That's something exclusively for soccer. Right. You go from a kid up and then you finally get to play on that team. It's something special. I think FC, I mean, right now, they look like they're on a roll. If you saw a little bit of their friendlies last time, sometimes they were just kind of up and down. But now, since it's the regular season, I think they got enough to go back to the postseason again. And I think the USL League in of itself, to me, is on the rise as well. I mean, they have their ESPN Plus contracts. The quality of soccer has definitely improved. And they're going to be fun to watch. It's going right. to be a fun summer over at One Oak. Right. But they're not the only thing going on at One Oak no, yeah. as well. So you were telling me this before the podcast of how miraculous it is to turn a soccer field into a baseball Less field. Less than a week. Less than a week. I, uh, I feel like I'd have a panic attack if I was the organizer of that. 
But Tulsa Drillers, after nearly 600 days of without playing, <laughs> are finally going to start playing. Man, uh, I remember the first time COVID started to hit, sports started to you know, shut down. You had the NBA shutting down. You had a bunch of other stuff shutting down. For some reason, and I'm not really the most – I obviously watch baseball mm-hmm. and the majors – but, Do you watch baseball, though, because it's the Rangers? I mean, yeah, is that really... Uh, so, uh, just some disclaimer for our <laughs> audience. I'm a Dallas native, loyal to the city, love my Dallas teams, which means I love pain. <laughs> yeah, because they're I terrible right now. toxicity. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's been a rough time. Them boys aren't much better over, know. you know, no. in I Arlington. My one saving grace is Luka Doncic. So. That's about it right now. Yeah, but... Um, the, the thing that really hit me where I'm just like, something is just, this is just crazy, this is just sad, was the minor league season being completely canceled due to COVID. And, I mean, we talk about players, and we talk about the psyche of players and everything. Minor leagues, this is their livelihood. Oh, for, for sure. a lot. Of Think about players. if you're a player, you're not getting a paycheck, and you know minor league baseball, you're not making the millions of dollars that they're yeah. making on the grandest stage on major league baseball. But they don't even know where they're playing. Yeah, you're not. You don't have the structure either. I mean, with with baseball, it's repetition after That's repetition right. after repetition. If you don't have those reps and you don't have them at a sense of urgency, like during the season, it's one thing to just uh, practice and play all the time. But you really need a lot of discipline to kind of get those quality reps that you would get on the regular season. And you just don't get that. You didn't get that because of COVID with minor league baseball being canceled. The fact that they're finally able to play, finally that minor league baseball is back in Tulsa, it's exciting. I haven't been to Tulsa really all that long. I've been here less than a year. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really experienced that area, One Oak Field, whenever there's baseball going on, whenever that part of the downtown is popping. I haven't experienced that yet. And I feel like now that everything's starting to come back to normal, slowly, slowly, but surely, it's going to be fun to see how everything is just going to come back into full swing of things. And I mean, I mean, we're talking about the Dodgers minor league double A affiliate. That's going to be hard for you to say. With, I meant the the apparent club, the oh, Dodgers. Yeah. That's yeah. that's painful for the both of us. So, but still, even then, <laughs> the Dodgers right now look like they're the favorites to go back to the World Series. Any player that gets injured goes back up uh, to the minors just to get some reps going. It's going to be a fun show because we're talking about the prohibitive favorites of the World Series. So it's going to be a fun time to be a Tulsa Driller fan right now. One well, the cool thing about double-A baseball, this is why I love going over to Drillers games, is I played college baseball, and obviously I didn't make it to the minors, but I, I got my education paid for. But double-A is the proving ground to see if you're going to make it to the next level because you know how triple-A is. It's a lot of rehab assignments that you come down to see if – get back healthy, get your reps back in, get your, you know, hitting, pitching, you name it. But double A is where that's your proving ground to make it to the next level. Right. It's going to be super exciting just to see those uh, guys come back. And uh, man, it's just going to be so good to see minor league baseball back. I mean, like I said, you talk about these guys' livelihoods. I'm pretty sure most of the minor league players, you talk about double A and then A ball. I mean, this can't be their only job. They've probably got a side job and everything, just trying to make it to the majors. The fact that it was just completely canceled on them, and now that they're back, man, it's just going to feel good just to have some semblance of normalcy back. But with minor league baseball, I know it may not be the majors. It may not be uh, these 
huge ballparks that we're seeing. Sure. It may not be Gold Life Field, Yankees. One Stadium. Oak is a very beautiful park. One though. Oak is a really, really beautiful You know, another park. beautiful park, the new one up in Stillwater. Have you caught a game up there? I have at not. Oak Oak so I have a, I haven't really said this, but I'm just going to say it. The opening day for O'Brate Stadium, March 20, I think it was 20th or 21st. 20, I think it was 21st. 2020. George Bush was going to throw the first pitch. That's right. That's right. I was supposed to cover it as a member of the student student media of OSU. Was I was all, supposed to be up there as well. That was also my birthday. So that was going to oh, be... Oh, man. You would have got to uh, meet a president. On I your... would have been able to do everything on my birthday. Cover a braid, everything. And then COVID happened. And then everything just absolutely went downhill from there, obviously. But... I, I haven't been to Stillwater, uh, back in Stillwater for a while, and I, I just I have to go. I, I haven't even, I feel like if I pass through O'Brate, I'm going to start crying, <laughs> because like, what could have been? But that's going to be exciting. See, and I got there. to be up there this year for their Bedlam matchup with Oklahoma. Talk about crazy fans, because yeah. you know those two. I mean, you're a diehard Sooner fan deep down, right? Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't know about it. I don't think I, so um, go, I, I want to touch a little bit, going back to football a little bit. Now that the draft is over, how are the three of our teams looking at moving forward? How, how well do you think Mike Gundy's going to be able to replace the tools that he had moving forward? Well, I feel like with Gundy, you, um, you, it's kind of like a, every, it seems like it's like every year you're going to, every year or so, there's going to have that transition year. And then there's going to be that one year where everything starts coming back up. So the next in line for Tylen Wallace may take a little bit of a while. But the next in line for Chuba, I mean, you still have all those pieces from running back. And you have the transfer from Utah State as well. Yeah. So I feel like with running back, that piece is going to be uh, filled pretty quickly. I feel like with OSU, though, it's all going to be dependent on Spencer And we Sanders. know Oklahoma, nothing's probably going to change on their end. No. In fact, I feel like OU is going to have that breakout yeah. year that we thought it was going to be this year. And then with TU, I mean, you have much more of an insight on TU. Than I think I TU is going to be about the same, except the, the biggest difference is you're going to have Owen Ostrowski, his dad, Hall of Famer for TU, played for the Buffalo Bills and all those Super Bowls they lost. But I think Owen, even as a freshman, is going to definitely be a game changer yeah. for the Golden Hurricanes. TU. Man, that ride was fun whenever we thought that it would beat the top group of five team. But 12-team 12, 12 playoff. Make it happen. I want that to change. TU versus Alabama. But other changes that are going to be happening is up at Kansas, and we'll bring in Tony Peck, the owner of Dead Armadillo. Tony, you've got a new head coach up at Kansas. How are you feeling about this, man, from Buffalo to come out to the Jayhawks? You know, it's, it's exciting. It's kind of uh, different. Um, but anything is, is better if it's different, I think, for KU football right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's done uh, done really well the last, like, three years. I think they've gone to mm -hmm. uh, bowl games. Um, I think he had a little rough start when he first got to Buffalo. but um, And I can't remember the school he came from. It was a Division three school. but I uh, believe it was in Wisconsin. Maybe. Uh, so I know he's got a lot of years of experience, but uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. And, um, you know, he's making some pretty good money now. So hopefully he uh, steps up and keeps doing what he's been doing. And the other big one that you have going on up there, too, is Bryce Thompson is not going to be playing for your Jayhawks, right. the local Tulsa native. He's He hasn't decided exactly yet where he's wanting to go. And that's got to hurt losing a player like that for KU, especially when we still don't know what the sanctions are going to be up for you guys in Lawrence. Right. I saw the there was an article about the sanctions and, like, 
within the next 12 months they're going to have the answers. Like, this thing's just dragging on Way too long. And ever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it kind of stinks to lose a guy like Bryce. And my kids are going to be super sad because they actually go to school with his cousin. And so they oh, love talking to ooh, him, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So they'll be okay. If he comes here, they'll still like that because we go to some hurricane games. So, um, but, yeah, who knows? I mean, he was recruited by OU, I think, and OSU. So, How insane uh, would it be if he came to play for Tulsa or Oral Roberts? It'd be pretty I mean, cool. good for the community, bad for KU, good, right. for, good for us covering him, but yeah. I just don't know, like, I don't know what happened. Like, sure. You know, because it's a weird year. It, you know, COVID times and stressful years, I think, what he said online. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't enough playing time. KU kind of reloads every year, and, and they got a lot of guys coming in, maybe. And I know there's a lot of turmoil, but it's, right. uh, they still got a lot of recruits, so... Maybe this was a, I'm going to want more playing time. And, you know, everybody talks nice on, online. Sure. But maybe it was a, you know, not jiving with the coaches a little bit. So One thing is for sure, though, Johnny, they still have Bill Self, though. Nothing changes Nothing with Bill Self. Nothing changes with Bill Self. Tony, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a head honcho here at Dead Armadillo. And uh, <laughs> anything, if you know about Kansas, it's either an insane amount of just happy high with uh, Kansas basketball or extreme pain with Kansas football. <laughs> so uh, the, if we talk about these sanctions. I mean, I'm an OSU guy, and these sanctions came at us quick, unexpected, and we're just like, what is going on here? I mean, right. a, a postseason ban that ended up did not come into fruition, but that's still TBD with the next few years coming. Right. With Kansas, it seems – I mean, you got other schools like Kansas, Auburn, but there's a little bit more sanctions – but this thing just keeps on dragging on, dragging on. I feel like at this point, NCAA is just playing you guys. Right. And, you know, we've had a long history with uh, not getting along with some NCAA, <laughs> you know, officials. So For sure. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, we always had the uh, the T-shirts when we had, we watched the football that said, uh, win or lose, we still booze. So, uh, you know, <laughs> That's good. I still got mine somewhere. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So we, we manage somehow. But, yeah, it's, it's stressful, you know, watching the football team be one of the worst in the country. I mean – and they had a pretty good run there for yes, a little while. Yes, they did, with Mark Mangino. Yeah, and then just kind of things flipped on end. But your all-time but, favorite coach had to be Turner Gill, right? Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I met Turner down here at a uh, NCAA basketball game. Oh, really? Also, yep. Really? Yeah, he was a nice guy. But he just couldn't put the wins or anything together I up in Lawrence. Fit, yeah, honestly. I don't think it was a good fit, yeah. for sure. Now, I have been to Lawrence once for a football game. I have never seen a fan base so happy to be losing so much <laughs> throughout that entire... I mean, it's probably because, they, I mean, they got alcohol. There's alcohol involved. I'm pretty sure in Lawrence, oh. they would... They, yeah. uh, like, the alcohol they have here is just in one day that is all gone in Lawrence. <laughs> we maybe, as a, maybe as a coping mechanism, maybe, but uh, it's just... Uh, it's Lawrence is a different vibe from most college towns that I've been to. It's For the fun. good, in football, it's, a, you know, obviously it's may not be the most popping place in the world, but... I mean, I have never been inside Allen Fieldhouse before. It's it's I insane. You gotta go if you gotta go. From the outside, from the outside I, looking at the thing, it just looks different. I'm just like I got oh to go God. to one game. Couldn't yeah. pick a better game. It was the Sunflower Showdown. Oh, nice. So if you're gonna go to a game, that would be on the list that you'd want to check out for sure. Did yeah. we win? You did win that okay. game. And the best part was ice cream at halftime. That's the thing right, that right, they do right, for right. the media. Ice cream at halftime. At, at halftime for the media members. Gallagher, Iba, cool. make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> so what's going on next here at Did Armadillo? What do we got going on tap? Yeah, so, I mean, there's always crazy stuff going on here in the tap room. Um, we always do one-offs, try and keep it fresh and fun. But, uh, you know, big news for Dead Armadillo is that we just released our 15 packs of Tulsa Flag. 
Wow. So that's that's going to be pretty that's cool. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, it's our number one uh, selling right. beer, uh, obviously a full-time beer, but it, uh, you know, it, it goes out of here like crazy. So the 15 packs, you know, we're really trying to pump that thing up and we're doing like a golden ticket promotion with it too. So if you find a ticket, you're going to be able to bring it into the Kind of like Willy Wonka. And, yeah, and draw and, and lots of prizes, <laughs> lots that. of cool prizes. That's cool. So we're excited about it. But uh, our biggest uh, seasonal uh, is our pickle beer. Uh-huh. The pickle It's coming back, I believe. It's coming back. It's fermenting right now. So um, I've got, you know, 600 pounds of pickles back there ready to go into the into the tank. Into the tank. <laughs> that make you shiver? I don't like pickles. Uh, <laughs> He's not so a pickle guy. I'm not a huge pickle guy, and I love this beer. It's it's, a, it's slightly sour, right. slightly salty, and lots of pickle flavor, but um, it reminds me of the, the pickle potato chips. You know, you kind of get that zing from yeah. them like you do the salt and vinegar chips, but then it's a little pickle flavor. A little pickle. Yeah, this is a lot of pickle, though. So. Sure. You well, may still not like it, but that's why we yeah. make lots of different kinds. So. <laughs> Anything for Cinco de Mayo? We do. We have uh, a Tulsa flag uh, that we took and put into a tequila barrel uh, 18 months ago, and we just recently added 30 pounds of, of lime zest to it. So um, that's actually carbonating right now, and uh, it's going to be kegged next week, well, this week, for here. And then um, we do a little thing with Andalini's here in town, uh, pint night, every, uh, every other month, and so they're going to get some of these uh, tequila flag uh, kegs. Very cool. So, now that sounds exciting. Yeah. Well, for Johnny and I, we both want to thank you for allowing us to no do problem. the Johnny and the Hawk podcast here at Dead Armadillo. We're going to be coming here every now and then. We'll also be around town highlighting the city of Tulsa as well. Tony's going to chime in on us with stuff that's going on in the tap room. He's probably going to talk some football with us because we know he's a passionate football fan. He's a Royals fan as well. Yeah. So anything sports related, we're going to get the, the brewmaster owner himself's take on stuff. And Big 12, he's our guy for giving us our Kansas <laughs> Jayhawk report for sure. So, Johnny, any final words for our first podcast? This was a successful run. Like I said, we procrastinated on this way too long. The fact that we're able to do this now is great. We're going to be doing this on a bi-weekly basis for the summer. And then once football season starts, it's going to be full-on swing weekly shows. It's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. We're going to have guests that come on from time to time. Yep. And we'll try to get out to the high schools and get some of their thoughts and opinions on things as well. Like I said, Tony, thanks again for hopping in and allowing us to use your facility for this podcast this afternoon. So for, for Johnny, for Tony, I'm Dan Hawk. We'll see you next time on Johnny and the Hawk Podcast.